you need each step along the way to make things better. So the shop where I'm at now couldn't be the shop when I first started. It, it literally took so much time and effort to work out what works, what doesn't work, what I like, what the customers like. And you can't get that. Mm-hmm. You can't get that instant gratification. It just doesn't work. Business doesn't work like that. It yep. literally is step by step by step by step. love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. I hope that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you are doing well, you are healthy, you are happy, and you're staying safe and sane. I am coming to you from Melbourne, where we're still in lockdown, and I am yeah just trying to get through it the best that I can, like so many other small business owners. But wherever you are in the world, even if you're in you know lockdown like me, I know that today's podcast episode is going to be hugely inspiring and insightful. I absolutely loved doing this interview that you're about to listen to. This was with Chris Crouch. So Chris Crouch is an incredible small business owner. He has been a business owner of so many different businesses in Melbourne. And if you're from Melbourne and you're in the creative scene, chances are you know Chris or you at least know some of the businesses that he has run. So today, predominantly, we're talking about his current business, which is Happy Valley. And it is absolutely one of my favorite places to go. It is my go-to for gifts along with a couple other Melbourne stores. But it is just one of those places where this stock and what they have in store is just so well curated that it makes going there an experience in itself. Every time that I go into Happy Valley, and I've been there many, many, many times since they opened seven years ago, I come out feeling just a bit more uplifted, a bit more inspired. I've seen, you know, you go in there and you can't help but see awesome art, beautiful pieces like from jewelry to ceramics to other kind of gifting items, and then an abundance of fantastic books, everything from coffee table books to, you know, sort of smaller children's books through to, you know, really gutsy art and design and business books as well, including my own. So thank you so much, Chris, again for stocking it. But yeah, I absolutely love Happy Valley because there's always something in there that I can find for even the most, you know, hard to please or discerning friend or family member. But outside of that, I just love that when you go in there, there's not sort of this push to buy, buy, buy. It's very relaxed. I've actually, and I think I mentioned this to Chris in the interview, I do a lot of work in and around Collingwood, which is where Happy Valley is based, and that's in inner Melbourne. And I have often had to, you know, meet clients for the first time or kind of pitch myself to to certain sort of giant companies where I'm going in as a consultant. And often we'll meet in a cafe that's nearby Happy Valley. The Happy Valley is is fortunate to be surrounded by so many amazing restaurants and cafes that hopefully will open up again soon. 
but I have definitely gone into Happy Valley even just to calm myself down <laughs> um, because it's just that environment. Chris has done an amazing job of creating something where people just want to go, they want to be there and, and just experience it. When I've had friends come in from overseas, I'm definitely like, oh, we have to check out Happy Valley. And they've always walked out of there, you know, buying something that has been just that bit different, just that bit curated. And so Chris Crouch, who owns Happy Valley and is, is the man that I'm talking to in today's interview, he's also owned and run so many other businesses. And I think it's amazing to have the opportunity to talk to somebody who has the breadth of experience that he has. Prior to starting Happy Valley seven years ago, Chris Crouch had previously owned Polyester Records, which, you know, again, if you're from Melbourne or if you've ever visited Melbourne, you would have known it was a huge, huge, very popular retail store, Candle Records, which was a music label, and the Tramway Hotel, which is a pub in North Fitzroy, along, which is the neighbouring suburb to Collingwood. And so he has an abundance of business experience, and I'm really happy that I was able to talk to somebody like him, particularly when we're going through a pandemic, because he was, and he talks about this in the interview, he was in business when the global financial crisis hit. And so he's been through an economic downturn and he talks about the kind of tips for keeping yourself motivated, particularly with, you know, this incredibly challenging situation that a lot of small business owners find themselves in, in 2020. He also goes into detail in how he was able to sort of create a community around his business and also things like, you know, the practicalities of how long it's taken him to get the business to a place that he's really comfortable with and he's happy with. So I really hope that you enjoy today's interview. I absolutely loved talking to Chris, absolutely love what he's built, love the purpose that he has behind his business, love how he operates it. And I think it's a fantastic example of a small business that is really supporting the creative community. So here you go. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Chris Crouch. I'm super excited about talking to you. We are recording this at night. How are you going? Good, Fiona. How are you going? I'm, I'm excited. I'm super excited. I've told you this personally, but I love your store. Like, I love it. I'm really sad that we're in lockdown and I can't go and see it. But when I found out you were taking my book, I was just blown away because <laughs> I love, 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 love your store. But it is 2020 and like I've just mentioned, we are in lockdown. So how, how are you feeling with everything that's going on right now? Corona coaster, as they say. Well, it's really bizarre because I've literally lost track of time, like days and months. I know we're in September, but I wouldn't know what day it is. It's usually in business, it's pretty regulated. You know, you know where you're at. Yes. I feel this year is, is, is really, really, it's, surreal is probably the best word to describe it because I just feel like I know that this is going to end at some stage, but at the moment, it doesn't feel like it will ever end. So it's just a, I mean, the idea that we're in September already just blows my mind. Oh, I, I feel the same. I actually was talking to somebody this morning and they're like, that's five months ago that we were talking. And in part, I'm like, how did, how did five months slip by? But then I'm also like, that five months feels like five years in you know, a lot right. of ways as well. I was <laughs> just going to say, and also too, you know, like, because it's September, usually you have things, you know, like it's Father's Day, Mother's Day when you're open. So it's a little bit, all those sort of, you know, special calendar days feel different this year because when you're in retail, you really celebrate those. So this year, that's why I think everything does feel like it's just rolling to one. Yes, yes. I have worked in retail myself and definitely know all of those markers that, you know, <laughs> you've got the Father's Day crazy rush and all of sports and the end, you know, in Australia, the AFL grand final, and then you move into spring racing. And then as soon as that's over, it's Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. So yeah. 
Yeah, oh, I, I definitely feel for retailers. And speaking of that, can you tell us a little bit about Happy Valley, which is which is your store? People listening, they would have just heard, heard me rave about it in the intro because, like I said, I'm not just saying this. It is one of my absolute favourite places to lose myself to just, oh, I would just buy your whole shop if I had the money, Chris. <laughs> but can you tell people what is Happy Valley? Like how would you describe what Happy Valley is? I describe it as a gift store that stocks curated books and vinyl and the gifts you know, I focused on Australian, especially Victorian makers and Victorian designers. I call it an art space. It's really hard to describe. And that's part of the reason why it's called Happy Valley. I didn't actually want a name that defined the space. I really wanted people to come in and discover it. But it's got all those elements. So it's very eclectic. <laughs> it's, yeah. So that's, I guess that's in a nutshell. Oh, it, it is definitely eclectic. Even when I was thinking about uh, chat tonight and I have to admit I actually said to my husband oh I'm a bit nervous I really really like your oh. store I can't, I can't say that enough but also like I used to work in a digital agency around the corner from there I, I meet a lot of my clients in Collingwood I feel like Collingwood's like my second home and a lot of like yeah the gift that I got from the digital agency when I left there was cups from your store I also oh, really yeah wow. I bought one of someone a Christmas gift from there like someone that I just met when I'd come back from London in Australia so many different things I've given you know friends that are crying because they're going through a divorce next door I've like gone in there and bought them something before I've met them oh, and wow. all sorts of people so it's a huge part of my life <laughs> I know that sounds oh, a bit wow. well I guess too when describing it I, I guess too I mean, this is just in my head, so it's nice to hear that, is that I just wanted a space where people didn't know exactly what they wanted, mm-hmm. but once they're in the shop, hopefully they discover something. So yeah. that, was, that was kind of the, the main ethos behind the shop. So that's why it does feel like it's not clearly defined because it is a very eclectic shop. I'm not trying to sell you one thing it's more about you just enjoying the space and if you find something people apologize to me when they walk out say i'm sorry you didn't buy anything but it's like that's probably fine yeah it's not it's not yeah so that's kind of that's kind of what i went in for when i you know first opened and speaking about when you first opened so you you know a lot of people know happy valley but you have been in this small business community and the creative scene in Melbourne, you know, for a long time. Happy Valley is not your first business. So you've previously owned Polyester Records, which was another massive go-to destination, Candle Records, which is the label, and the Tramway Hotel, which is a pub in North Fitzroy. What prompted you to start Happy Valley when you'd been in all these other sort of industries? Well, I actually thought when I sold Polyester that I wasn't going to do retail again. I was like, I've done that. I've really enjoyed it. Had a good run. I mean, nothing was ever going to top polyester. So I thought I'll do something totally different. And that's when I bought the tramway. I literally walked past it. A lot of my friends and I were there. Often I was, you know, I managed bands, so the bands play there. So a week later, after walking past, I owned a pub. Wow. Um, and it, kind, and it kind of, yeah, and it kind of ticked that box of totally just doing something totally different. But during that time, you know, I had two business partners in the pub. During that time, I thought, you know what, what else could I do? Uh, And so I just started going back to retail. But I thought if I do retail again, I want to sort of reinvent it for myself. I just don't want to do the same thing again. And so I kind of thought of doing a bookshop, possibly doing just a design store or maybe even an art gallery. I had these sort of all these different ideas. And I thought, you know what, I don't know whether I could just stick to one of those. 
So ultimately, Happy Valley came about with all, like an amalgamation of all those ideas in one. Wow. Well, you've totally nailed it because it is a bit of each of those things. Because we've just talked about the fact that you did have all these different businesses and even, you know, I don't know anyone else that walks past a pub and then buys it not long yeah. after. And then even while you're in the midst of that, which I'm you know, guessing it was quite a busy business, you were thinking about another business. So what was your upbringing like? Did you grow up in a family you know, where your parents' business owners or your family, you know, all like extended family business owners, is that why you felt, oh, I can start this and I can start that and I could do this? Like what was your upbringing like and do you think that's... Well, in- yeah, well, my, par- my, de- my parents were actually in the Air Force. Oh, so yeah. we actually moved every three or four years. So we were never in one spot. So I think probably that gives you a sense of probably dislocation but also confidence because... Yeah, you know, you never you got to make new friends all the time. You got to you know move states. We lived overseas, so we're always on the move. So I, we didn't have that small business background in the family, but I think my parents really just instilled this idea of if you want to do something, just go and do it. It wasn't never there was never no. I think when I told them I was going to be a band manager, that kind of threw them because they were thinking, "What?" He went and studied, you know, a degree in radio, and then he started, you know, involved in the music scene. But they were still very encouraging. So nothing nothing was sort of off the table for them. After I did, you know, two or three different businesses, they go, oh, that's just Chris. He's just, he'll just do something else. They just knew that I was never going to have a, you know, a nine-to-five job. Well, will you, you know, you've been from the outset, and I know it's always, it's very different when people see things from the outside versus, you know, what's happening internally. But from the outset, it seems that you've had successful business after successful business after successful business. But, you know, everybody knows that they're not always successful 24-7. So as someone who's owned all of these different businesses, what have been maybe some of the biggest challenges or the hardest things that you've had to work through? And, you know, maybe it's right now because it's 2020 and we're all going through it. But can you talk through some of those things, whether they're at Happy Valley or at the businesses prior to that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when the GFC in 2007 I was seven years into polyester. I remember that just threw me because at that stage, the business was very stable. Week in, week out was very stable. You know, it was always busy. And I just remember then it totally threw me. An economic downturn can really affect your business when you're still doing all the same things that you've done. I just remember going, this just is really bizarre because, you know, why is this week any different to other week? But So that economic uncertainty really is a big thing. And I guess during COVID, I mean, I do put myself into, you know, there's poor people that maybe set up a business six months ago Mm. and all of a sudden this has hit. You know, I'm I'm lucky that Happy Valley is seven years in, so we're pretty well established. So I just think economic uncertainty is probably the hardest thing for business, doesn't matter who you are, big or small, because you're not doing anything wrong. You can't necessarily plan for it. You just have to do, you know, your best to get through it. I think personally the hardest thing for me was because this is my fourth business, you know, when you start again, you kind of have to have something that that motivates you. So it's not like just applying for a job and then next week you've got a new job. It takes a lot of sort of planning and motivation to do the next project. So I really found it hard after selling, I finished Candle Records, which is my record label. I closed Polyester. I had a, I had a six-month break because I just wanted a break. I just felt like I was working a lot, mm-hmm. then started the tramway. But then then I guess that was by luck, literally. It was by luck because I walked past and it was I, I literally went online 
and it was for sale. <laughs> and so I bought it. So it wasn't like that wasn't planned. But I guess the next stage where it's like, well, what am I going to do post the pub? And so that was the hardest thing because, like I said before, I wanted it to be as good as polyester mm-hmm. in a totally different way. I needed to be motivated and wanted to get up and at them every morning to enjoy it. So that was probably the most difficult thing. So I think, you know, there's probably a good 12 months where I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what's this next business going to do? And then once it kind of clicked, once I sort of got the outline of it, I was fine and I was able to sit down day to day and work out exactly what I wanted. I guess that that transition period is probably the hardest. And so you've brought up two elements that, you know, are very front and centre at the moment for a lot of people. And I know this because even, you know, strangers are reaching out to me and sending me DMs on Instagram with this exact question, which is how do I stay motivated right now when, like you said at the start, you don't really know when this whole COVID thing is going to lift like properly. And I don't know if we'll ever go back to some kind of normal in inverted commas, but you just talked about the motivation that you needed and also the economic downturn. And obviously you wrote out both of those and you mentioned like, you know, I just had to take some time and then I kind of felt it all kind of running into plan or moving parts into place. What advice would you have for someone who right now is either facing economic downturn that they've never even considered is something that they might have to, and, or also, you know, tips for staying motivated when perhaps, you know, just, just life in general is a bit hard. Let yeah. Them running a business right now? Well, to tell the truth, the first 12 months of Happy Valley, I found motivation really hard because I was starting again. The shop wasn't that busy. People didn't know what I was doing. I was used to a very busy label, very busy record shop, very busy pub. And so when you go starting a new shop, especially retail, I guess my motivation tips are very small and simple, just day by day. What can I do today to improve the business? Really small things. And so sometimes I write a list, sometimes they're just in my head. Mm-hmm. It may not actually create anything in terms of a monetary value, but for me personally, it means the business is improving. Mm-hmm. Someone outside may not see it, but me personally, I've done something, I've updated the website, I've done some social media, I've bought some new gifts or books, you know. So very small things. I think if you aim too large, it will just feel like a mountain. So I keep it very small. And I try literally on a daily level, what can I do today to just to make things easier for me or improve the store? So that, that's that's how I keep motivated because some days, especially in the first 12 months, as you know, of retail, mm-hmm. it, it could be very quiet. I mean, the first 12 months are hardest because people got to find find you for the mm-hmm. first 12 months. They've got to find out what you actually do and then come back when they need you. And so it's not like you know food where food can be an instant hit and you might have a coffee every single day. Retail, people only might need you two or three times a, a year. And mm-hmm. so the process takes a while. In terms of the economic downturn, I mean, I think that, again, it comes back to those things. Everything you do, everything you do now will mean long-term the business is better. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you can't, you can't just leave things, oh, I'll put that off, I'll do that in 12 months. You kind of just have to try to improve your business every single day, little by little, because all those little improvements will actually add up to something long term. And so once we're out of this, your business will be in a stronger position because you've made all the hard decisions and, and, and hard things now. Of course, financially, you can't do a lot about it unless your business is, is, is doing really well online at the moment. But long term, you've got to think that these, these type of events may happen again. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to think like that. It will, but it might. And so you just got to, you know, on a day-to-day 
situation, just do what's best for you and your business and 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 use this time as a, a motivating going, well, I've got all these great ideas. I can't wait once I reopen to implement them. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, so much good advice. I think I've had people sort of say to me, oh, I just, I'm just going to go quiet. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to wait until this is over and then I'll start doing X, Y, Z. And I think what you said, I couldn't agree with you more. Like just start, just keep going, just small things. And you mentioned one of those small things was, you know, maybe buying some gifts or buying some new things for the store as just like one of the things that you could tick off your list to make you feel that you're doing something. Happy Valley is, I feel like I'm like your personal PR, but I, it's such a, it is such a go-to store for me, along with some other Melbourne stores. I like to shop local and support small business, but definitely like I've bought many birthday gifts. I've bought my Father's Day gifts for my husband. I've bought small things to just cheer someone up. I often am meeting somebody, you know, you're surrounded by really great restaurants. And so I might be meeting someone and it's such a great place to be like, oh, I've forgotten to buy something for them. And so Part of the reason that it's such a great go-to store is that you have such an amazing eye for curating things. You know, like you, I mean, you mentioned before when people walk out and they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't buy something because I feel like you have to stop yourself. Like I know you don't want to hear that as the owner, but I feel like I have to stop myself from buying more and more and more things while I'm in there. Selecting which brands to stock can be a hard thing for retailers, particularly when there's so many, there's so many amazing brands coming out. Like you just have to look at Instagram and you can suddenly see, oh, this amazing earring brand. And now there's this one and this one and this one. How do you choose what to stock? Because you've been able to choose it well for your business to be so successful. And like, what do you say no to? Or do you have any sort of checklist or like, I want to buy things that are X, Y, Z. How do you do that? Well, I kind of think there's actually two periods of the shop. I guess my general, when I say two periods, when I first started out and had to buy things for a brand new shop and things now seven years in. So I guess my my number one rule is if I can't get excited about it, how can I expect my customers to? Mm-hmm. So I see lots of products. I go to trade fairs. I see, you know, lots of websites. But if I don't get excited about it or think, oh, this this is really what, you know, represents the store very well. I just, I just bypass it because, I, like I said, if I need to be able to feel that the customers get excited by it. So mm. I just think there's nothing worse than trying to sell something that you have no interest in. So it actually makes things a lot easier because all of a sudden, if it doesn't really create that that interest for me, then I just, I just move on. I mean, I get a lot of people saying, "Oh, this sells really, really well in other stores," and I have no doubt it does. But that to me is not a motivating factor. Like the sales side of it is actually a very low level indicator for me. It's more, is this interesting? Is this unique? Is this made locally? Is it mass produced or is it individually made? All those things are way more important to me. And how is it going to fit with with the store, you know, especially if it's original? I need something, I mean, something that stands out. I mean, I I see so much product and only probably, you know, 5% of it I feel like I haven't seen before. And so it's that 5% that actually stands out very quickly to me. So I get asked that question all the time. And I think I think it's so much easier because I do it day to day. It's my job. And I've been doing it, even though it's different in Happy Valley, I haven't been buying gifts. I, you know, buying is probably the one thing that, you know, I've been doing for a long time. And so I kind of know that's what makes the store strong. And also too, I'm the only buyer. I don't have to work in a committee I'm not working even, you know, even sometimes you have business partners and, you know, and I'm not saying that's a problem, but it's so much easier when it's just one person making the decision. Mm -hmm. And so, and also too, I always 
the other main thing is always think of my customers. I just always think, what were my customers like? All my four businesses have been in within two kilometers of each other, Fitzroy North, Fitzroy and Collingwood. So, mm. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm local. A lot of the customers I've seen at all three or four different businesses and have supported me along the way. So I kind of feel like you know, there's a bit of expectation that I've got to, you know, make sure that what I do represents the, you know, the customers that support what I do. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's so much gold in what you've said. And but particularly what I'm thinking of is that there's a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast and that in my community that are making, you know, they're makers of like furniture or jewellery or, you know, lighting design or something. When you said before you're looking at how is it different and even looking through, you know, is it made locally? What's the story? Are there things like just practical things that say if you're looking at a website, someone, you know, sends you a DM on Instagram or is like, oh, I'd really love you to stock my earrings, for instance, or my ceramic cups. When you go to a website, what are you, are you looking for specific things that I'm just thinking if someone's listening to this and they've made their website and what I often see, and especially because I've been a freelance writer for so long is when I go to about pages and they don't mention anything about the actual owner. It's all written in third person. It's written very distant to, you know, who is it? It's all, we do this and we do that. And there's no mention of who actually owns it. And as a journalist, that's really frustrating because you're like, I'm trying to get, you know, the person behind this. When you're looking at a website, are there things that you're looking for particularly? Like, are you looking for a brand story? Are you looking for things that I'm just wondering if people listening to this are like, oh, okay, cool. I'll add that to my website. What is funny, I've actually told so many brands (laughs) to try to be encouraging because, you know, I've met with a lot of small businesses I talk to a lot of new up-and-coming brands all the time. You know, I've mentored quite a few new businesses and established businesses. Um, I did a lot of that before Happy Valley. And I actually, number one rule is I always go to the About Me page and say, how is this any different to anyone else? I need you in here. Like what you just said is 100%. That's the first thing I, I, I check out. I want to know the person behind it. I, I mean, I, I've got about 150 different brands I deal with in Happy Valley, you know, from car designers to jewelry designers. I know every single person that I deal with. I know the person that makes it, you know, manufacture it. So to me, that's the most important thing because I want to be having a long-term relationship with my suppliers. I'm very loyal. There's people in the shop that have been there for seven years. So mm-hmm. I guess to answer your question quickly, I guess everything mm-hmm. you want you want to know you want to know the background story. You want to know what the product's made of. You want to you want to know what like what you're asking me like what's the background to this person? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? What makes this product interesting? What do your customers love about it? And from a retailer point of view, I kind of also want to know that they've got their act together because the problem I have now is that most of the things in my shop work. So for me to find something new generally means something has to go. And so that's why I am looking for that new and exciting thing. But it also needs to be a product that has someone that's very organized, knows how to wholesale, keeps coming out with new product ranges, knows the price point that will work at retail, all those, all those important things that a retailer is going to ask. So quite often too, I, I say to new designers, go do markets first, work out what designs work, what retail price works. All that feedback, because if you come into a shop like mine, I'm going to ask you all those questions. If you haven't done it, it, it makes it harder for you because I want to be encouraging for you. But my store is, you know, is only one store. You kind of need to have a product that, you know, can work in a lot of different stores. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I love your advice about markets. I often, when I'm working with service-based businesses and they're like, I'm going to run a workshop. And I always say, maybe try, you know, general assembly or try and do something at a co-working space or, you know, try it out because it's the same principle. It's like, try it out, test the market, see what will actually work before you invest, say, in a workshop of hiring a venue and getting all the catering done and everything else. I think. Um, and, uh, yeah. And the thing is too with markets, which I try to you know, because I get a lot of, I mean, the, the hardest thing for me is I get um, stationary people every week. I mean, when the shop was open, I was getting probably five five a week, you know, cards, generally yeah. cards, granny cards, and I don't need any more cards. And I, I don't want to be discouraging to people just because just because I'm full doesn't mean the shop down the road might want cards. But what I try to say to people about markets is you get the feedback. Mm-hmm. When you put them in wholesale, you're not getting any feedback from the customers. You know, it's just you, you're getting a, a feedback from one retailer. It's not a really good representation of what you should do with your business. But like you said, with markets, you're getting this real honest feedback from the general public, mm-hmm. which is kind of very difficult to get when you, whether you're online or whether you're in retail. It's really the only time that designers and makers can actually get that really important information that you can't get most other times. Right. And it, and it gets you used to talking to people about your business and which will then make it, if you're going into a store and trying to sell it a bit easier, maybe as well, you'll have a bit more Definitely. Confidence. Definitely. Because look, also too, I'm not saying, I mean, Scary. I, mean I, <laughs> I just have high expectations and it's not, it's not a, it's not a criticism about anyone, but if you're not prepared, then I kind of go, mm. it's very hard for me because I, I want to help you. I'm not in a, I don't like saying no. I mean, I get probably when the store's open about 20 to 30 emails a week of people wanting to be in the store. So it's very hard for me. I don't want to say no, but I, I don't want to discourage anyone because it's like I'm only one store. Go, there's a whole huge you know, market in Australia. And, you know, I've had people that I've said no to, and this is probably I think maybe 70 to 80%. The product's really good. It's just that it just doesn't fit my store or, or I'm not ready for it. But I've had products that 12 months later I've contacted people and said, I think we can do it. And I, I say that in emails. I love your product. Um, I'll put you on a waiting list. So mm-hmm. no doesn't mean no. It just means not yet, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd never want to discourage anyone. But I just think like you said about your website and getting organised and knowing all those things, that could only mean that the answer will hopefully be more positive in more, more you know, opportunities as, as you keep, you know, going on. Yeah. And I mean, you're not this big, scary guy in behind Happy Valley, but what you've also said is that like reminder to people to just start, like start, contact people. You never know what they're going to say. I always say, my dad used to always say, people are people and most aren't mean, you know, like, or most aren't jerks. And because, because I guess when I didn't answer the question beforehand about my buying, when I first opened Happy Valley, 90% of the brands said, no, who are you? No, no, no. So I know what it's like. I'm not I understand, you know, and a lot of it was purely because there was other stores. I didn't realise when I got into the gift buying world that there's rules and, and brands don't want to be too close to each other, mm-hmm. which I totally respect now. As, as a store owner, I get it because I'm like, no, I don't want someone across the road stocking the same things because they walked into my store and now want to stock it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But when I first started, I had no idea. And, and to answer the question beforehand about buying, I was actually very blinking. I didn't go into a lot of stores because mm-hmm. I, I just wanted my own voice. Mm-hmm. I, I was not, I, I, I was really just true. It's like, this has to be unique. So I stayed away from virtually, you know, I knew what was out there generally, but specifics I didn't know. But yeah, so at, at the start, it was really hard. I was having things, I was 
I was on Kickstarter virtually every single day trying to find these weird and interesting products from around the world that no one else had because I just couldn't find brands that would let me stock. Mm -hmm. So that's how I first started the store, just to get things in there that, you know, because I, I, I couldn't get what I wanted in there originally. Wow. So I think this is fascinating, especially for anyone out there who's got a product business and they're like, oh, I have these conversations with a lot of businesses that I coach, product businesses. And I think it's, it, this is amazing. This is great insight. Thank you, Chris. But you obviously you've talked about the different businesses that you have had and you obviously like being your own boss. And even before you mentioned that, you know, it's good to just be the one buyer and not have to have this committee, you know, decisions by committee. But have you ever in your in your existence, have you ever had a normal nine to five or have you ever been tempted to just throw it all up and be like, you know what, I'm just going to get a job where someone else is paying me like holiday pay and compassionate leave and sick pay. Have you ever been tempted to do that? No, no. I, 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 I actually made, I'm, no, it's an honest answer, I made a deal with myself that I was just always going to decide my own fate. Mm. And so I had this thing was that, Obviously, I've been lucky because the businesses have worked, but at least, at least it's been on my own terms. So mm-hmm. I just made the decision very early on. I, I was studying radio at uni and then a year later, I started band managing and started my own re- independent record label. So that's kind of how it all started. And from then on, then you know the, the label went well and then I bought Polyester, my friend Warwick. And then you know led on. So I've never I've never had to worry about it. And I guess too because I knew that I would never work for anyone else. It, it, that's probably when you're talking about motivation. Nothing motivates you more than having to get your act together when you decided that you know you're 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 going to do this. So yeah. So look, I've literally done it my whole life. So I guess saying that it's actually just second nature. I don't ever think I don't ever think about anything else other than what am I going to do today for you know my businesses. So yeah. So. I think, you know, if you're highly motivated and always wanted to do it, just do it. It doesn't matter when you want to do it. I mean, I started very young, but I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, and, and it may may take a lot of time to get it to work. But, you know, I think that's the most important thing about business. It does take time. I mean, you know, even with Happy Valley, I, I think it took me probably year four, year five, where I was actually actually personally satisfied with the shop. I was always like, no, nah, it's not quite how I want it to be. It's not quite where I want it to be. It's not... You know, I was always trying to get to that sort of level of perfection just personally, not not from like a sales side or a marketing side, just a personal, I'm happy, this is exactly what I had in mind. And it took that long. So it just takes time. So, yeah, so I've been fortunate that I've never had to really think too much about, you know. Getting an office job. <laughs> getting an office job, yeah. But, look, I mean, I, that's just a personal decision I made. It's not, I've got no... No qualms. Just I just I would just be terrible taking orders from other people. That's all. <laughs> well, we were chatting before we started this conversation around the fact that you didn't have a phone for a while in your life, which I found fascinating. As you had all these different businesses, but you didn't have a phone. And one of the things that you mentioned was you just have to have great time management. And I think that I wanted to jump on that during this conversation because time management is such a either not to say, not to like downplay it and, you know, people saying, oh, I don't have time. You know, I'd love to write a book. I don't have time. I'd love to start a business. I don't have time. Or I'd like to do this. I don't have time. And I know I hear that a lot from people like, oh, how do you have a podcast? And how did you write a book? And you've got a newborn and all of that. And I think you make time for the stuff that you want to do. Like I wanted to write a book. Can you talk about time management? Because you must have had that 
down to a T if you didn't have to have a phone as someone who has a small business? Well, I mean, part of the reason why I didn't have a phone was, again, because I was a band manager and, you know, band members, you know, and a lot of my bands toured overseas. So you get calls at three o'clock in the morning. So I was just on the phone a lot. And, you know, for someone, you know, I guess it's me not also not me in an office, you know, the idea of having meetings all, all day, every day to me is like, wow, I just don't know whether that's productive for me. I don't so, think that's productive for anyone. Maybe. Yeah, no, so that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have coffees before work with people as a catch-up. That's kind of like if people want to, you know, have a one-on-one and ask me questions, that's what I do. I, I, you know, but once I, once I go into work, it's just work. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I just literally don't have time to do anything other than the job at hand. I mean, I've got a very small team. You know, Mark, who works for me, we're the two people that run the store. I mean, I do all the buying, you know, I've got to pay all the bills, you know, I've got to serve customers. So it just forces you to have good time management. I mean, I think it's probably the most important thing because I just think that we all got the same amount of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to use it really productively. And like I said before, you know, that's why I write little lists of how can I improve the business because if I don't do that, you know, it's pretty easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day of business. And then the business doesn't improve or change. I mean, I had it last Christmas where we had one of our best Christmases ever, probably our best Christmas. But I just thought that from the gift side of things, that, that I thought I was still selling the same things 12 months before then. Mm-hmm. And so I made this conscious decision to sit down for all of January to just try to find new products and new things and refresh the store. And I did. And, you know, and obviously all those new things went really, really well. So it's just more of a factor is like when you say time management, it sounds like, I don't know, like a theory, but it's more it's more like you've got to set little tasks for yourself mm-hmm. within your day, within your week to make things happen. And part of that is once you start doing that, you, you get better at it, you get quicker at it, you get, you know, smarter at it and your time gets used in a more effective way. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with that more. I often am saying to people, just break it down, break it down. into. And I think what people can think is, oh, I don't have three hours to do a big chunk of work as opposed to do I have 20 minutes to, you know, sit down and do that yeah. one task. And I guess too because, you know, like I, I mean, I'm, this is not me boasting because I, I don't ever want to sound like I'm boasting, mm-hmm. but, you know, like I, I was a person who ran a record shop and managed bands and ran a record label. So my time was just literally thin. I had to do all of it. So it kind of forces you to get your act together. It's like, well, this is if I don't get my act together and use my time wisely, the business will suffer. So mm-hmm. I think that the longer you do your business, the better you get at it. That's all, that's all I can say. Anything you, I keep saying it, but your buying will get better. Your, your you know, customer service will get better, whatever. Everything will get better the longer you do it. It's just, it's just something that takes time and takes practice. And one other thing that I think definitely takes practice and, again, comes up a lot in conversations is around boundaries. And you just mentioned before when people ask to, I'm guessing that they're like, oh, can I pick your brain about <laughs> basically what I'm doing on the podcast? Uh, yes. No, no, that's fine. This is, that, this, um, is, this is great. But, like, I have people literally coming in with artwork, with unfinished books, like mm-hmm. just all this, and they want an opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, this is just, I mean, it's like kind of walking into, you know, the head of a bank and saying, hey, I've got um, I've got a mortgage. You've got five minutes just to, you know what I mean? <laughs> no one would do that. But yeah. because it's retail and you and I'm behind the counter, you just get the weirdest and most interesting. And I'm like, hey, 
you know, I've got a thing on my website saying, hey, email me first. I will get back to you. I get back to every single person that emails me about to be in the shop. I always do. But, you know, so sometimes it's a little bit like, and also too, I'm in the middle of something and it's just very, you know, it's, it's a little bit confronting when you're at work and someone wants to, you know, wants 15 minutes of your time, which is like, you know, my computer just died today and I've got all these other issues that you don't know about, but I've got to get to them, you know, so it's very hard sometimes. How do you say no? Like, do you literally just say no? Like, or how do you have advice for people that are like, I just find it really difficult to say no? But you know, the problem is sometimes I try to give advice and I feel like people don't want to hear it. So (laughs) it's really hard. I mean, I mean, this is your day job. So you would hear it all the time. You would hear it all the time. I have no doubt that 99% of what you tell Small business owners is on the money. I have no doubt. But they'll probably argue with you and say, no, I can't do that or I shouldn't I do that. that. I tried I, I that. Try that. doesn't work. But look, look, the reality is, is, you know, it's just, very, you know, that's just human behaviour. I'm probably the same too. Someone, you know, I mean, I used to get a lot of opinions when I first opened the store about what I should be doing, what shouldn't be doing. And I was like, it's just very bizarre. It's just like, oh, I wouldn't walk into a cafe and tell them to change the whole menu, but you just get that at retail. But no, I, I try to be constructive because, I mean, like I said, and I always say this to people, I'm only one store, so what doesn't work for me may work for someone, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's more about people finding their market and who and what they want to be and do, you know. I mean, I could probably open up four stores of, you know, of all the people that approach me every week of good things, but I just can't. I've only got 100 square metres, you know, and I don't want to say no to the people that have been, who have supported me for seven years. So it, that's the thing. I, I, yeah, so I, I don't, I never try to be negative. I, I always, like I said, I always try to encourage people because, you know, you never know where people start today. Their business in three or four years might evolve and they might improve and, mm-hmm. you know, might have got a lot better. So, I mean, who am I to say, no, you shouldn't be doing this? I mean, like I say, suggest they do markets or, or, you know, maybe narrow down their range or they look at their price points. Just some, you know, one or two small little bits of advice that I just know as a retailer, I, I could look straight away and go, look, that's too expensive. That will not work at retail. And mm-hmm. so I just give that that feedback. Yeah. I think it's great that you're you're so willing to you know give that to people and 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 give such good advice tonight as well. So you mentioned you have been doing this for seven years and you've had people that have supported you the whole time. You have probably not, I'm guessing, experienced a pandemic like anyone else in, that's going on in the world right now. But what has had to change at Happy Valley? So has there been things? I mean, you and I are both in Melbourne and Melbourne is, you know, in severe lockdown, for, has been for a lot of this year and is still going to be in for another couple of weeks or months, hopefully weeks. But what has had to change at Happy Valley, like with the way that you run things? And has there been anything that you've done differently or that you've introduced because of lockdown and coronavirus that you think you'll keep when things lift again? Yeah, well, look, I mean, when was the end of March? It was yeah, the most, like I said, the most... It was kind of like this tidal wave coming. You can see it coming. I'm talking as a small business owner, but I'm sure a lot of people's personal lives. But you can see it coming, but you just didn't really know what, what was coming. It was one of those, you know, I mean, no one, no one knows how to deal for a pandemic, especially a small business. So the first 10 or 11 weeks, that first lockdown was really, really tough for us because part of what works for us is the space. People mm-hmm. enjoy the space discovering things in the space, walking around, having that time to to look. So that instantly disappeared from us. So we became an online store only. And and then when you kind of break it down to online, you know, 
the gift side of business, people weren't catching up with every, anyone. Mm-hmm. So people weren't, you know, I think our Mother's Day was, I didn't even really notice it from a sales point of view. It felt like any other just sort of quiet week. So that was hard. And then books is a very competitive online space. You know, there's a lot of, lot of choice. So I kind of used that first 10 or 11 weeks where, where the business went really, really quiet to improve the online store. I guess coming back to my small little list, all these things, I mean, any small business owner would have a list of things in their head they've always wanted to do, you know, to improve the business. So, you know, small little things, I redid the floor, you know, I always wanted to read. It's been seven years, I needed a new coat. So I took all the stock out of the shop and <laughs> did the floor. But from the online side of things, that's where I put all my energy. So I literally, you know, I, I use Shopify, the Happy Valley shops used by Shopify. And I'd never really realized that there's all these apps that you use for Shopify. Mm-hmm. So, so I, plugins and things. All these plugins, I had no idea. So after I finished the, you know, the day at night, I would literally Google, you know, top 10 plugins, best apps for Shopify and just started going one by one and going, okay, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can do, you know, so things like SEO, which I never really thought about. So I got an app for that. Google ads, abandonment emails, all these these small little business things that I knew existed, but I'd never done before. You know, I just thought, well, I'm going to, and like I said before, I, I didn't really know whether they're going to improve the business, but they just will make the business better from my point of view. And that's kind of how I approached it. And so, yeah, I, I literally spent all my effort in that. So when we reopened the second time, we were extremely busy at the shop level for that month, which probably blew me away. I had no idea, but people actually really made a point and they don't usually do this, but hey, I wanted to spend money in your shop. I wanted to make sure that you guys stay open. Mm-hmm. So the local community was so supportive. People would, went out of their way going, oh, I, I didn't know until you closed for 10 or 11 weeks how much I would miss, you know, everything around here. So it became really, like it was actually really amazing to see from a small business owner, think how impactful your business can be because you don't really get that, you know, sense of, you know, you just do your job basically day to day. So, and then we had to shut again the second time. Luckily, the second time hasn't been as impactful. And I think the website's, you know, doing a lot better now. And I think maybe because interstate is open again. So they're, they're probably, they're probably got, they're probably working again. And then people are finding us on Google, you know, when they, they want to find something. So we're doing a lot of interstate orders, whereas mm-hmm. beforehand we were very localized. So. Yeah, so, I mean, my view is that long-term, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm talking long-term because I don't know how long this is going to impact us, but long-term the business will be in a better shape because of, you know, it's forced my hand to make all these important changes to the to the website. And I think this is, you know, firstly, congratulations for doing that because like we talked about before, people can just sort of sit back and be like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point right now? Or, you know, and I think it was it takes a lot of, initiative to be like okay things are a bit crap right now but like what can i control like yep i can control that's right that's right and i can't i can't i can't control the economy and i can't control health outbreaks but yeah there are that's exactly right that's probably the most important thing as a small business you know and like i was saying before about how i didn't go to other shops and all that just focus on yourself Mm -hmm. you know because you can't be too concerned about everyone else it just you know small business it takes all your energy so if you yep. start putting your energies in other places, you're going to get burnt out before you know it. 
Yeah, completely, completely. And you did mention before that, you know, part of, or one of the kind of maybe driving factors to learn more about SEO and Shopify and what it can do and all their apps is that the book landscape is very competitive. And so you have a huge array of amazing books in your store. And I've always, always found books that I haven't heard of or that, you know, might have been not a brand new book. Like I remember when I, oh, what is that book? The cross-section between art and or the cross-section oh, yeah, yeah. children's yeah, yeah. food or something. And yeah. I had never heard of that book, even though I think it had been quite popular. Yeah, saw it in your, in your shop and ended up buying it. I think I bought two or three copies over the, the time for different people. But you oh, have yeah, yeah. a lot of great books in your store and <laughs> you have taken on mine as well, which thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, no, I'm just I'm, I was saying to you before too, I'm stoked because... There needs to be. I'm a small business owner, so I'm fascinated by small business. But there's not enough books, especially from Australian focus. So yeah, and Mark's put your book in the window display. Oh. I know you can't see it from where you, but you are in oh, our front you. window. So. Oh, thank you so much. Oh gosh. Oh, I need to get out of lockdown. But what I wanted to ask you, Chris, is as someone who runs, you know, a shop with a large portion of books, what? sorts of books do you love personally? Do you take on books? Like you said before, you have to look at things and I'm assuming that's the same for books. Like, does this interest me? It would interest my customers. But are you a particular, like, have you got a particular genre that you like to read? Is there, like, what was the last good book that you read? Yeah, well, I kind of, I mean, I tend to read a lot of music, music bios just because I love, I'm just fascinated by music. So the music business, the music bands, I mean, I've probably read every single music book out there. I try to read as much and I just love because I, I know that world. So, and I love probably the creative aspect of it. I've always, especially, you know, running a record label, most of my life I've been surrounded by creative people. So it's just something I can relate to. They're, they're, they're my friends, they're the people I've worked with. I read a lot of nonfiction and a lot of, a lot of coffee table books. Narrative books are very hard for me. I feel like I'm quite time poor to sit down for hours to read. So, you know, nonfiction, coffee table books where I can flip in and out you know, or, or, or there's little sections there, they're right up my alley. I mean, I know there's a book that you, I mean, we're actually in um, Do You Read Me, which you did yes. an essay for. Like for me, that's the perfect book because it's about business. It's all these bookshops around the world. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. It's a coffee table book. So I'm really fascinated about what other people are doing around the world. And there's another book, the Monocle Book of Japan, which is not great because it's all about travel, but it's just really interesting. I think they put it out because of the Tokyo Games this year but it's a coffee table book and just all all things japan and so i just love those books because it's you know you just you just don't know what you're going to get and there's just interesting stories there's stories on culture food just yeah so they're they're the books that they're the books that interest me from a buying point of view yeah look yeah i try to find things interesting i mean part of the whole idea of the shop is you you're not gonna you're gonna discover new things i don't want to feel like you've seen it all before so, yeah, I really go out of my way to try to find books that no one else will hopefully have. Mm-hmm. And, and you do that very, very well. I have found like just just fascinating books. I bought a friend for her 40th from your store, a beautiful big coffee table book on like masks of the world. It was, sort of, oh, right. it was yeah. just amazing. I think too, because I'm not a, I, guess, I mean, I guess because I haven't been in the book world for, for you know, my, my whole life. It's the same with music, so I'm not knocking the book world, but Everything in retail seems to be new, 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 new. So quite often I just love finding books that that maybe, you know, five, six years old that are really great books and try to find, give them a bit of life, you know, just because yeah. just because they're not the latest and greatest doesn't mean they're not great books. 
yeah, so I'm very conscious of like it doesn't it just needs to be a great book. It doesn't need to be, you know. So I mean, but as a shop, I mean I literally I mean I mean I'm not lying, but you know, probably in September, October there'd be a thousand titles getting released. Mm-hmm. So you're literally just inundated with with information. So there's there's a lot of competition in, as you as you know in the book world. Yeah, and we'll thank that just makes me want to say thank you even more. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah. So what is one thing, if you could point out one thing, that you would do differently if you were starting out now in any of the businesses? I mean, maybe record stores. I don't know if you were listening to 774 today, but they were actually talking about Gaslight Records, was it, in the city? Oh, yeah, yeah, Gaslight in the city of Street, yeah. Yeah, and they were talking about all different record stores and people were phoning up, but... What would you, I was going to say, obviously a record store is kind of different now because, you know, so many things are digital, but what's one thing you would have done differently if you were starting a business so that if people are listening to this, they might take on that advice? This is probably not the answer you want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't change a thing, okay? Because the thing is you you need each step along the way to make things better. So the shop where I'm at now couldn't be the shop when I first started. It, it literally took so much time and effort to work out what works, what doesn't work, what I like, what the customers like. And you can't get that. Mm-hmm. You can't get that instant gratification. It just doesn't work. Business doesn't work like that. It yep. literally is step by step by step by step. I mean, I literally took 12 months to find that space for the shop. I walked for 12 months, five days a week around the neighbourhood trying to work out where that shop was going to be. I looked online. I looked at so many spaces. I took that much time to get it right. I wanted something with high ceiling, double-fronted floorboard. I had very specific ideas. And so for me, it's like, and that was kind of the foundation of what the shop was going to be. So I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm I'm lying by saying, oh, there's shortcuts. I should have done this. I should (laughs) should have done that. But but I I just don't think, I honestly think, Time is the reality. If you if you want to do a, a small business, you just got to take your time. You can't rush it. And like I said before, the first twelve months are going to be hard, and that's why so many businesses don't last after twelve months. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you have to last longer than twelve months because the first twelve months, you're only just sort of at the starting gates. You yeah. know, it, it, you're only just you're a new business still. So you just got to take everything in, learn everything. Yeah. So I mean, I've been fortunate that. Happy Valley, I was able to take all the sort of expertise from other, my other businesses. So I was able to shortcut a lot of things. I mean, I couldn't have done this shop in my 20s. It wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Or would have, if it did work, it would have taken a lot longer and probably looked a lot different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I honestly just think that it's, it's – I mean, look, I'm a fatalist. So whatever happens, happens. I kind of feel, like I said, I, I, I made that decision to put everything in my own hands. So I kind of – I just take the good with the bad. I, I can't, I honestly just think that's just how it is. I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. I mean, obviously, I would like things to be differently day to day, week to week. But overall, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm happy, happy with that sort of, you know, progression. I think that's an amazing place to be in. Like, and you should, you know, pat yourself on the back kind of figures. Um, well, yeah, I don't want to sound like, I, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound egotistical though. Like, no, I'm, no. Just saying, I, I'm just saying that. Yeah, you can't say, hey, I don't want to work for someone else and I'm going to just do my own thing and not realise that, you know, you kind of just have to, you do, there's, it's, until you do it, it's really, it, like, I mean, I can't explain what I do to someone else day to day. You know, until you run a small business, 
it's very hard to explain unless you're doing it, you know. I guess it's probably like most other jobs. If you, you know, it's very hard to go home and say, this is what I do. It's So I, I just think that, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because I feel, feel like I've been very fortunate. I mean, that's the honest truth. I feel like I've been very fortunate. I've been able to do exactly what I've wanted, when I've wanted, and the business has been success. So for me, I, I just, I don't think I could change a thing because it's like, well, I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. And obviously, you know, what are they, what's that quote? There's a quote that's like the the harder or the more work or the more effort I put in, the luckier I get kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So. And, look, yeah and, and I do subscribe to that. It's, yeah. Because that, and that's what I was saying before. It's your time. I'm not saying you want to overwork and be a mm. workaholic, but I mean, as you know, in, even doing this job, you couldn't do this job 20 years ago. It's, it's a culmination of everything that you've learned yourself, talking to other people. And now that you can then help other people you know, with their business. It's just, it's the same thing, you know, small business takes time. And I mean, the only thing that I mean, I probably would have changed, you know, and this is just from a clinical point of view, not a personal point of view is stick to one business because the longer you're in one business, the more successful. But for me, I have to be happy. So my rule is that if I'm not happy, I just go, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, if I can't get motivated day to day, then it's time to do something different. Yeah. So, but, you know, in a clinical point of view, it would have been making sense to stick to one business, do that for four decades, and then you have a, a really successful business. So that would be the only thing. But personally, I don't think oh, I would have been happy at the end of it. Oh, totally. Me neither. When I meet people and they're like, oh, I've done this for, you know, I actually remember when I was working at Open University in the UK on their MBA program and the woman I was sitting next to, I was like, how long have you worked here? And she's like, 29 years. And I was like, oh, my God. Like I was just like, wow. what? In this same building? And she's like, yep. And I was like, in the same department. And she's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But look, I mean, life would have been this one view out of the window. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, their yeah, own. Look, that's a, yeah, that's right. Each of their own. I'm not, yeah. Yeah. And so are there, you know, you mentioned before you did some work using Shopify, sort of learning the different things. Are there other tech tools or platforms or things that you just couldn't live without when it comes to running Happy Valley? Well, I guess beforehand, like I was saying about, you know, mobile technology, I actually try to keep things so simple. And I know I know there's probably a million and one tools to make things work. But like for me, Shopify and Zero are my two things I spend ninety nine percent of my day on the computer. Shopify, because you know, when I had candle records, I had a web developer you know, do my first website. So when anything I had to update, I would have to ring him, go around to his house. We spent three hours making one little change. Um, yep. So to me, I, I, you know, and I had a very successful website through Candle. But for me, the idea of having Shopify where you can put up a product within five minutes, you can change prices, you can put photos, is I, I think we're in a golden age of small business, you know, where we've gone from, beforehand you know your your business was listing in the yellow pages and now you can literally put your whole shop online for the whole world to see Mm -hmm. so for me i just think it's an amazing tool and i know it's there and it's very common and people might think oh yeah but for me i just go i I, i'm still i mean obviously there's a lot of other online platforms out there it's not just shopify but from a small business owner i can tell you it's also got me through this pandemic without that website. You know, it's it's just an amazing tool to have. So yeah. my thing is if you don't have a website, I would get one as quick as you could. And zero because, you know, again, you know, I've always had 
small businesses and you know the bookkeeping side of things is just always like i've always had bookkeepers and it's tedious and again it's one of those time managers things but i find with zero i've just literally just i'm like oh wow this is just an amazing tool it's just made things so much simpler and easier it means that my bass is done by my accountant all the infos there so from a day-to-day point of view those two things literally do save so much time for me just quickly too, I opened up Happy Valley in November, like eight weeks before Christmas. Crazy. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, because I had no idea that Christmas was such a big thing. I worked in a record store, you know, where, you know, it's busy for about five days before Christmas. But I didn't realize in the whole gifting world how big it was. It's like four um, months, it's like 50% <laughs> of some people. I was so naive just going, oh, I opened the doors and, you know. I was literally busy from day one, you know, so I was just like, oh, oh well, I guess it's, I guess I'm not having a relaxing first 12 months. But mm-hmm. what happened was Broadsheet rang me the day, second day I opened and mm-hmm. said, we we're going to do a feature on your shop. And I was like, I didn't even have a website ready because I just opened the doors. So literally that's why I'm a fan of Shopify. I literally did 24 hours worth of research. But okay, well, Shopify even back then wasn't, you know, it was kind of like, it was a bit of an emerging player. It wasn't like as big as it is now. But, yeah, I literally had to build a website within one week because I just said to Broadsheet, can you just do it in, in seven days' time because at least then you've got a website to link to. So, But I was able to build a whole website in seven days. So I do know the power of that, of, of that platform, yeah. That's fantastic. And I also love that you keep things quite simple. So you have done so much in the business space and you've been doing this for a long time. What are you most proud of from your journey, you know, owning and running small businesses? I think this just personally is just actually being part of a community. Like Mm -hmm. I really feel like I've been able to be, you know, a small business owner, you know, a local small business owner and people have been so supportive. People I feel like have really embraced the businesses that I've done. And, you know, ultimately, I don't have a successful business without all the people that support me. So, like, to me, you know, like I said before, I, I just go to work and do my job to the best of my ability. So the idea that people feel really strongly about what I do, you know, means a lot to me. I mean, you know, I never thought, I mean, I thought Happy Valley would do well, but I didn't think it would have this, you know, I don't know, like affection amongst so many people. I mean, We've had write-ups all around the world from, you know, publications when I don't know how they find us, don't know how that works. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm just, like for me, I just wanted something that I enjoyed going to work day to day, you know. So I think that's probably my most, you know, thing that makes me the most proud is because, you know, you don't really expect those things when you're opening up a small business. But, yeah, and, I mean, a lot of that goes to you as well, like that you've made it attractive for a community to form around you because what you do is so good. <laughs> so well, thank and, you. I um, appreciate that. No, it's, it's awesome. So how can people connect with you? So obviously we'll put all of the links in the show notes and everything else, but is, you know, is Instagram the best way to connect with yeah, you? Yeah, I, te- I mean, I actually, yeah, I'm on, you know, obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at, Happy Valley Shop. We're all on the same of those platforms, but Instagram works best for our store. Yeah, just I think because it's the visual element. Yeah, but like I mean, like I was saying before about mobile phone, I, um, I don't have a personal Facebook, but I do have the shop. I don't have a personal Instagram, but I do have for the shop. So the shop does force me to, to go out of my comfort zone and do things that I wouldn't normally do. So they're, 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 they've been great for us. 
And and I should point out as well that you you have your online store, which is all zhuzhed up after <laughs> when you were working on it. So it's at happyvalleyshop.com. And do you sell all over the world? Like can people buy it and then ships internationally or is it just Australia? We, Yeah, we only actually ship in Australia. Part of the reason why is because if something goes missing or wrong internationally, mm-hmm. I because I buy the goods from a supplier, it's not me making them. Yeah. You know, the amount of work and effort, I do get emails, you know, every week saying, oh, you don't ship to New Zealand or US. But I just find that, you know, logistically and just to be, you know, to provide a good service, I've just kept the online store to Australia. I mean, ironically, when things are open, we have so many visitors from overseas that I see annually, you know, people from New York, London, everywhere. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, because I do, like to me, that I always love that because. I never quite realised how many international people come via, you know, Melbourne, you know, on work or holidays every year. So that's been the only only thing that I've not enjoyed with COVID because, you know, you're just not having that day-to-day contact with people. Well, hopefully everything lifts soon and it's been such a pleasure to chat with you and thank you again for taking on my book. But thank you for everything that you do because I feel like it's just such a great place to go and even I've had I've like gone having to have like interviews with people near next to in elementary right next to you and I've gone in there just to relax <laughs> in Happy Valley yeah. just calm myself so like I said before Fiona people apologize for spending an hour in the shop <laughs> and I like I one I rarely notice because it's like yeah I want people to enjoy the store so that's, that's, yeah, part of the whole reason is I wanted people to relax in the store. That's the whole, you know, that's it's the whole ethos. And that's why even I chose that space. I wanted a nice place to work each day. Yeah. So, you know, so I get it. I get it. It's really nice. Maybe when lockdown's over, I'll just be like, you'll be like, Fiona, can you go home? Okay. I'll be like, no, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great chatting to you, Fiona. Thanks so much. Oh, how good is Chris Crouch? I know I sounded like a total, you know, just gushing fan of Happy Valley in that, but it's because I really am. Like I genuinely love that store. And I think one of the things that I love about it is that I work predominantly by myself. Like I'm always talking to people during the day and doing coaching calls and, and meeting with different people, but predominantly I work alone in in an office at home, which is, you know, everyone's working at home at the moment, but I have a team. So I have like, you know, my VA, I have my amazing podcast editor. Hey, Scott. (laughs) I have all of these people that help me in my business, but I'm alone predominantly most of the time. And so, which is, you know, how I want it to be. But I love when I go to places like Happy Valley and Happy Valley in particular, it's just full of just so many creative, you know, brands and little small businesses I haven't heard of or amazing books that, you know, talk about different parts of the world or different industries or just incredible things that I may not have, you know, been on my radar for a while or if at all. And so I think, that is part of the reason I love it because every time I've gone in there, I walk out and feel inspired or, you know, motivated or just that I've seen something beautiful or interesting. So absolutely love Happy Valley and it's such an honor to talk to Chris. What I loved about what he had to talk about, I mean, he had so many great insights, particularly because he's owned so many different businesses. But two things that I took away from that 
was one, you know, things take time. And I know that could be a really frustrating thing to hear, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. But I really loved that he talked about, you know, things take time and, you know, that it took the first 12 months how he would approach brands and they'd say, or, you know, small businesses and they'd say, no, I don't want to be stocked there or, you know, who are you? And and that it's taken him time to build that community. And yet also at the same time, what I loved was that that community is totally there for him right now. And he said how they sort of all rushed in to, to show their support when restrictions were lifted for a short period earlier this year. The other thing that I absolutely loved that he talked about was doing the work as in, you know, he didn't think, oh, it's all gone to crap or, you know, he looked at what could I do even before the pandemic when he talked about making those little lists and thinking like what can I control, what small thing could I work on today that will help me feel like I'm getting ahead even though if outwardly it may not look like that to anybody else, what small thing could I do, could I action, you know, could I update something on my website, could I do a bit of social media, could I reach out to you know, that brand that I'd like to stock or or check in with these people that I already stock. I love that he broke things down into, you know, keeping things as simple as possible and not putting this huge, overwhelming, gigantic task in front of him, but just what could I do now? What can I do in this moment that I have in a way, you know, that's going to help my business go forward. And on that simple note, I loved when he talked about technology that he doesn't have 50 different apps that he's like, I love Shopify, I love Zero, and that's it. And I don't need to, you know, have sort of confuse myself or, you know, make things overcomplicate things. And I think that's definitely a lesson for all of us in small business that, I mean, I know when people right now, people are definitely looking at their cash flow. And one of the things I always say to people when I'm working with them is like, look at your subscriptions. And I say that from personal experience because, you know, when you look at my email platform is this and my website is this and my extra hosting for e-commerce is this and and they can all add up. And sometimes it's really good to have that reminder from seasoned, established, you know, very successful business owners like Chris Crouch that let's just break it down. What do you actually need? And I think, yeah, it's a really, really great point. So I absolutely loved chatting to Chris. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode as well. For a full transcript of this episode, including links to everything that Chris mentioned and, of course, links to Happy Valley, their social media channels and their website, you can check that out at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast slash 30 as this is episode 30. If you would love to connect with Chris, and I hope you do, you can check him out on all Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at at Happy Valley Shop. And the website is also happyvalleyshop.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com.